Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much for this time we're about to have here with you, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O oh Lord God. I pray that if there are those be there, those out there who do not yet know you, that they shall come to know you through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We praise you, Lord God. We magnify thy most glorious name in the master's name of Jesus. I give this time and this space entirely over to you. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Praise God, praise God. Again, welcome to Genesis 1. Pastor Mike here. I'm glad that you could uh, you could join us here today. And uh, today, I just want to talk a little bit about some of the things that impact us in our lives. And, you know, every time I read the Bible, I mean, and, and go into prayer, it's just so amazing that how the things that are written in Scripture going back, uh, you know, millennia uh, impact our lives today. And if we are astute and alert enough and listening to Holy Spirit, we can see how those things that were written in Scripture uh, are still still are there very much for us and can help us today in today's life, you know. So today I want to I want to start going going back a bit uh, in Genesis and we're going to talk about the time before the flood, before Noah, okay? Now, you know that, uh, uh, you know, after man was cast out of the garden, Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, you know, the earth descended into all sorts of sin and debauchery, and God was, was fed up, you know, and he said, I'm going to destroy, destroy all of mankind. And with that comes the events that are depicted to us in Noah. But I want to look at that account, and I want to look at, I want to trace through one particular individual, because that in, individual is, is kind of key to the beginnings of this message here today. So with that, uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 10, verse 1. And uh, now would be a good time to say that if you don't have your Bible, why don't you hit pause and go and get your Bible and come back and, and join us so that you can have something to write with, you know, to write with and take notes and so on like that. Okay, so that's Genesis 10, verse number 1. Okay, and and I'm not going to read read it all the way through verse by verse, but there's some key scriptures that I just want you to look at and highlight. So starting with number one, now these are the generation of the sons of Noah. Okay, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and unto them were sons born after the flood. Okay, so underline the name Ham. Okay, this is after the flood. Underline the name Ham, and then if you then you we drop down to verse number six. We see that, uh, um, verse number five, sorry. We see that by these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, every one after his tongue, after their families in their nations, and the sons of Ham, and then Cush, underline Ham and Cush. Okay, we're talking about the genealogy, if you will. Okay, and then we go down to verse number, number eight, and we see Cush now, which we just mentioned, Cush begat Nimrod, underline Nimrod, Nimrod, <laughs> sorry, underline Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Verse 10, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Eric and Akkad, Kalne in the land of Shinar. Okay. And then we jump down to the last scripture here is verse number 32. These are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations in their nations. And by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. Okay. So going back here and looking at verse number 10, where we see mention of uh, um, that Nimrod, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. That's where I want to go today. 
Okay. Nimrod, as mentioned here, was a great man in his day, and he began to be mighty in the earth. Nimrod was resolved to lord it over his neighbors in that area. Nimrod began to rule and to force others to submit. He invaded his neighbor's rights and properties and persecuted innocent men, endeavoring to make all his own by force and by violence. He carried on his oppressions and violence in defiance of God himself. He got into power and so founded a monarchy. Okay, so here Nimrod, well known, he said he was a powerful man, a good hunter and so forth like that. He decided, I'm going to make a monarchy here in this land, okay, in that land of Shinar, okay, and it was in Babel. Okay, so then we go to Genesis 11, verse number 1. Okay, just scroll right on down to Genesis 11, verse number 1. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed uh, from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name unless we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language. And this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Okay, here we see a group of people now who are in a, on one accord, if you will. Okay, one accord is mentioned also of great importance because later on we know in the second chapter of Acts, when they were up in the upper room, the apostles were up in the uh, upper room there. They, it said that when they prayed, they were all on one accord, and the Holy Spirit came. So there's something about being on one accord. Okay, that makes things makes things happen. Okay, we as Christians, speaking on that just for a moment here, we as Christians, we need to get to the point that we are on one accord because there's so much happening in the world today that is so counter to the word of God. It's counter to the way we want to live as human beings, our freedoms being slowly eroded and taken away. But we need to come together as a body in the body of Christ, come together on one accord so that we can achieve what God would want us to achieve. Okay, so God here is saying back here that they will be and once they get on one accord, there will be nothing that will restrain them. There'll be nothing that they will not be able to do. So then God says in verse number seven, go to let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did uh, did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Okay, Babel is where we get the word babbling. You know, someone who's just babbling, you know, speaking incoherently, you can't understand them. So God confounded them so that they could not uh, understand one another. Okay, so therefore stop the building. All right. Now the important thing to understand is that the sin in in these scriptures here is that the people sought to become like God, okay? It is important to note that this story isn't about building a tower or achieving some great feat, okay? That's not what the story is really about. They wanted to be equal with God and have the same knowledge and power. This was an act of rebellion against God. Pure and simple was an act of rebellion. They had the same markings of Lucifer's plan in heaven. Okay, so here we see a rebellious people now under Nimrod. Okay, don't forget, Nimrod was the one that founded this nation, if you will, of this monarchy, and they're following suit with him. 
Okay, he wanted to be rebellious. Okay, also don't forget that this was was directly following after the flood. Okay, so Nimrod had in mind that we're also we're going to build up build this tower and everything. That if if the floods come again, we will be protected because we will be so high above the floods. You know. Okay, but the, the whole thing here was rebellion against God. They wanted to be able to survive and to do their thing without God being involved. Okay, it's about people. This incident is about people trying to take control of their own lives and run things their own way without reference to or respect for God. They listened to and followed the voice and behavior of one man, an evil man. They listened to and followed the voice of one man, an evil man. Okay. Okay. Without God. And this is what we need to be careful of today. Because there are so many voices out there today that are trying to get us involved with certain things, with certain actions, okay, with certain causes, okay. There's always someone at the top that is trying to convince us and speaking all of these these eloquent words, quote unquote, you know, that seem to quote unquote make so much sense, or so they would have you believe, and they want us to just blindly just follow. But what they're asking us to follow is in rebellion to God. Many of the things, many of the causes, many of the actions, many of the programs that are out there today are not based on, on godly principles or what, or what God would want us to do as his children, as Christians, all right? So we have to be very careful whose voice we are listening to and who we're hearing and who we are following because everything out there today is not of God. As a matter of fact, quite a bit out there today is not of God, regardless of whether you're in the United States or some other country, in, in, in your particular city, state, your province, your, your county, or wherever you may be living. Those that are in charge, you need to be carefully listening to what those voices are saying and what those agendas are, okay? Because many, many agendas today are not based on the Word of God, okay? They want to build these utopias. They want to build these existences without God, okay? And, and there is no such thing as a utopia without God. And that's the subject of a whole other sermon. All right. There's no such thing as utopia without God. Okay. As simple as that. See, see so, so they, they were listening to the voice of one man, an evil man. That's always been humanity's downfall. And it still is today. As I said before, we have to be careful where we are following and who we are following. We think that we know better than God what's best for us. That's part of the issue. And we try to go our own way, but we can't go our own way without God's guidance. As simple as that. As simple as that. Okay. Well, we just read here this story, you know, that the the people here that wanted to build this tower, that issue still exists today. It's in the heart of many people. We want to survive. We want to prosper without God. We don't want guidance from God at all. Okay. Go back to scripture. Let's go to 1 Samuel uh, 3, 1. 1 Samuel 3, 1. Praise the living God. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and starting with verse number 1. And the child Samuel, this is the uh, the prophet Samuel when he was a child, the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. He was getting old. And, and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. Samuel you would, would, was a young boy. He would tend and he would work in the temple and so forth. Lay, uh, Samuel was laid down to sleep. That the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. The Lord called Sam, okay? The Lord called Sam, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, 
here, here, here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. All right. All right. Samuel heard the voice of God, but he thought it was Eli in the next room. Okay. The next room over, call him. So he went to Eli and said, yes, did you call me? Eli said, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Go back to bed. Okay. And so, um, uh, going later, verse number six. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I call not my son, lie down again. So God called him a second time, but he still thought it was Eli. So he went to Eli and said, you called me? Eli said, no, it wasn't me. Go back and lie down. Okay. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Okay. You might be in a place in your life where maybe you might not yet know the Lord. Okay. You can be a born again Christian where you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, but you don't yet know the Lord. Maybe you have not developed that good, close personal relationship with him so that if he was to call you, would you be able to hear him? So he says here, but he knew not yet the Lord. All right. Verse eight. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. So now Eli is starting to say, well, gee, was now it's the third time that the boy came running to me thinking that I'm calling him. And he says, huh, maybe this is the Lord that's calling the boy. Maybe it's God that is calling the boy, calling the boy. Okay, verse number nine says, therefore, Eli said unto Samuel, go, lie down, it shall be, if he call thee, and thou shalt say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth, underline, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, speak, for thy servant hears. Okay. Underline that, please. Speak so thy servant hears. At this time, when he heard God calling to him, he finally said, okay, Lord, speak, for I hear you. This is where we need to get to as children of God. When God calls out to us, how many of us are just willing and ready to say, speak, Lord, I hear you. What is it that you want of me? What is it that you will for me? Speak, Lord, I hear you. All right. He goes on to say in verse number 11, and the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that hear it shall tingle. In that day, I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. Okay, he's going to tell Eli, okay, I'm going to judge you because of the iniquity you are aware of, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not, okay? So God is upset with Eli now because he knew that there were vile things going on in his house, okay, with his sons. They were into things that weren't pleasing to God. He knew about it, but he did nothing about it. We need to be make sure that in our households, moms and dads, in our households, we need to make, need to make sure that we know what's going on with our children. If you have in-laws living with you or some other relatives with you and they're under your roof, you need to make sure that you know what's going on. And especially you need to know if there's something going on that would be displeasing to God. You can't have sin in the camp. OK, as the Bible says elsewhere. OK, you can't have sin in the camp. All right. 
Okay, because you will indeed upset, especially if you know about it and you're permitting it to go on. We have to be bold and separate ourselves from evildoers. I don't care who they are. Be it your husband, your wife, your mother, your brother, your sister, or whomever it may be under, under, that's under your roof, that's, that's living with you and so on. You need to make sure that you are not permitting them to be carrying on vile actions or doing anything that would be displeasing to God. Because God holds you accountable for that. God holds you accountable. Okay. He goes on and he says here. Uh, in verse 14, and therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's health shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. In other words, he can't be given sacrifices because the things that he's permitting to happen is not going to be cleared because of he, because he's sacrificing. Okay. That's like us sinning, 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 sinning. And we come to church and we're giving the tithes and everything like that. We're being obedient as far as offerings are concerned. But yes, so we're not doing anything about the sin. God does not want those tithes and offerings. He does not want them. He'd rather and prefer for you to get your life together, to get those that are around you that you are responsible for, to tell them about what they're doing, if they're doing something to to offend God, if they're sinning, to let them know, because God will indeed hold you responsible, okay? Um, So not be purged with sacrifice, no offering forever. Verse 15, and Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision, okay? So God had shared something with him that was dynamite. Okay, and as he, he lay awake all night and as he was getting ready to do his duties there in, in, in the temple there, uh, he, he was hesitant. He didn't want to tell Sam, he didn't want to tell Eli what God had, had showed him, okay, in that vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here I am. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if you hide anything from me, all the things that he said unto thee. Okay. Now, Eli, Eli had an inkling that, that God must have said something to him because Eli realized afterwards, after, after Samuel had come to him several times here and said, did you call me? And he hadn't called him. Eli realized that God must have been calling the boy. And if God called him, that God probably told him something. So now he's saying to the boy, Sam, you have to tell me, because if you don't tell me, bad things are going to happen to you. That's basically what he's saying here. Okay. Verse 18. And Samuel told him every whit. Samuel told him everything, everything, in other words, um, and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, whatever he told Samuel and Samuel prophesied about, those things indeed came true. Those things came true, okay? Right? So he was obedient to God. He said, told him exactly, told Eli exactly what God had said. And God went on and blessed Samuel. And all Israel from Dan and even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Okay, so here we see that call that went out. We have to be very aware of and very, in a way, just waiting for that time. You're a child of God. Okay, so God could very well, very well speak to you in an audible voice. If God doesn't call out to you in an audible, audible voice, he'll call out to you in another way. But you will know in your spirit that this is God that's calling you. And when he does call out to you, how many of us will indeed say, speak for thy servant here? Will you be able to say, speak for thy servant, hear it? In this day and age, we need to make sure that we are listening to the right voice, 
not the voice of a powerful man like Nimrod, a powerful, you know, a, a, a violent kind of man, someone that just wants to take control and oppress you and, and just take away your rights and your privileges and everything like that. You can't listen to a voice like that. We need to make sure we're ready for when God calls us so that we can answer thy servant hears. We're living in a world where many voices are trying to get our attention and they're trying to woo us to follow them or to follow a particular cause. They want to woo us to become woke. They want us to, to, to woo us to, to, to go along with the, with the trans agenda. They want to woo us to go along with the LGBTQ plus so and so and so and so. Okay. Now understand what I'm saying here. Okay. I have no hatred for them. I am, I am not a phobe. Pastor Mike is not some kind of phobe or anything like that. God loves these people. And because of the fact that God loves these people, I love these people, but God hates what they're doing. God hates sin. So therefore I do not agree with their sin. The individuals I love, but as far as what they're doing, their lifestyles, because of the fact they're not in line with the word of God, I do not agree with and do not go along with and will not support it. It's as simple as that, because God does not support it. Okay, it has nothing to do with me hating anyone. God doesn't hate them either. God wishes that they would come to know him through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God is waiting patiently for all of these people, with all of these causes and agendas to just give all of that up and come to him in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay. But they are wooing us. They're wooing us to come into that, into that camp. Okay. They're really courting us and wanting us. And, and, and matter of fact, it's, it's not so much wooing us because that's kind of a, I mean, you see wooing, that's kind of like, it's like a courtship where like something is done out of love, you know, a, a guy that is wooing a young lady that he likes. And so he buys her flowers and takes her to dinner and so forth. What they're doing or trying to do with us is not really wooing. That's not, a, not the right word. They're just trying to browbeat us into submission to follow along with the program. So we have to be careful to that voice that we listen to and not follow a man or a woman or any group of people that's trying to get us off of the off of a godly path. Right? We have to make sure to whom we are listening and when God is talking to us. Right? Let's go to Psalm 1 1. Psalm 1 and, and verse number 1. Blessed is the man or woman. <laughs> Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Okay. So if we resist walking in the counsel of the ungodly, in other words, following what they're counseling us to do, following what they're saying is good for our children, and we know it's ungodly, okay, and we do not follow that counsel, we don't, don't follow that guidance, then we'll be blessed. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners. We don't stand in the way or stand next to and, and go along with, with sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He's speaking to us. This psalm is speaking to us here. His delight, our delight is in the law of the Lord, God's law. Okay. And in his, in his law, in God's law, does he meditate day and night? That's us. We need to be meditating on the word of God day and night. 
day and night. Okay. Now, obviously, God knows that we have to go to work and we have to take the kids to school. We got to cook dinner and stuff like that. So our God knows literally we can't be sitting 24 seven just reading his word and meditating, but we can be meditating. And as you're doing the dishes, you can be thinking about the word of God when you're driving the kids to school. You can be thinking about the word of God when you're going to work yourself in the car, on the train, on the bus, or however you may get to work. We always have idle moments in time where we are not physically actually doing something where we, instead of thinking about the sports game coming up, or instead of thinking about the movie that we just saw that was so great, think about the word of God, okay, especially today. Try and try and inundate and fill yourself as much as possible with the word of God, because you need to be simply immersed in it 24-7, okay, as much as possible anyway, okay? Verse number three says, and he shall be like a tree. If you do that, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that brings forth fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Okay. All right. So if we do what the word of God here is saying, that we will indeed prosper. But it says that in the beginning's words there, what I really love, blessed the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And the Lord knows there's so much counseling from the ungodly going on around us today that, you know, sometimes you almost got to put cotton in your ears just so that you don't hear it. You know, you put your hands, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't watch you when you're seeing them on TV because you watch someone on TV. There's so many lies coming out there today. You know, they take stories and they just twist it around to, to, to fit their agenda. You know, and then you really need to be on your P's and Q's, right? What do we do when God starts giving us direction for our lives? What do we do? What do we do? First of all, do you believe that God can talk to you? Do you believe that? Okay. Well, yeah. Are, are you such a, you know, I'm, such, I'm a strong Christian. I've been born again for, for 50 years. You know, I know the Lord. I do this. I do that. I'm involved with this in the church and so forth. But, but do you believe, do you believe that God can actually speak to you? Right. Ask yourself that. God gives us direction, then others tell us what to do. Friends, family, co-workers, even those who are envious of us, they, they try to tell us what to do. Okay, yeah. Then self, our self then starts talking to us. You know, and then you start wondering who's that talking. So how do you know who's talking to you and to whom should you listen? Simple as that. We have to be so careful, again, I say, to whom we listen. So much deception in the world, even within the church, out and out lies to simply being told. Right? And if we go to 2 Peter 2, two Peter 2, and we want to start with verse number 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Okay, This is us who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious, pernicious means destructive, many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Okay, So he's warning us about false prophets, and there certainly are many, many false prophets among the people, even as, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them. And there are many out there that are, are speaking things that are simply not what God wants you to do. Many people are finding, finding out speaking this from the pulpit. Many people are speaking this every chance they get to, to get a microphone in their hands. They're speaking things that are totally counter to God. We see this going on amongst us now. And it's creeping in slowly but surely. Those things that we and the word of God says is right, they're saying is wrong. And those things that God says is wrong, they're saying it's the right thing to do. So who do you listen to? Okay. Let's continue with scripture here and let's go to uh, 1 John 2. 
1 John, or little John as it's sometimes called, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Okay, 15 again. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Okay. First verse 17 continues and say, and the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Now, when this any that Antichrists shall come, referring to more than one, this is not talking about the Antichrist, the main one that God will be dealing with. This is about Antichrist, those that are against Christ against God, against God's ways, God's ways. And there are many of them about, and I mean, there are many, you know, you, you hear them on TV, you read what they write in the newspapers. I mean, you can hear them and you may hear them on your, on your job. You may hear them in school there. You know, these are people that talk the things, talk the heresies, talk the things that are against God. They're simply, they're not believers. All right. So he said, there are many, many antichrists. Even now there are many antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time they went out from us, but they were not of us. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. They would have stayed. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Okay. So in other words, if they were really, really with us, then they would have stayed with us. Okay. Okay. This is said that they, they went out from us, but they were not of us because deep down inside they were not with God. Simple as that. Okay. Let these scriptures that tell us that seducers would rise in the Christian world keep us from being seduced. The fact that scriptures are telling us that these things will come up, let us be aware and listen to the word of God so that we are not seduced. The church doesn't fully know who or who not, for that matter, are its true members. Okay? We in the body of Christ, we don't know who are or who are not the true members, the true believers. But this should make true Christians more watchful and humble. Okay, we don't know actually who's born again and who isn't. Okay, that's one thing I always tell people. You know, some people be saying, "Oh, you know, you know, John, just use a name. You know, use a name, John, so and so and so and so." Man, I don't believe he's born again. I, 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 I don't go there. Okay, because first of all, the, the definition of born again, being a believer, is you believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He died for your sins and He rose again and so on. That that is in your heart. I don't know what anyone believes deep in their hearts. So therefore, I don't know who really is a believer. So I don't question that. Okay. But the, what, what this is saying, the church doesn't fully know who or who isn't for that matter. It's true members. But by the fact that we have to always know that there are some that are saying that they are Christian. Okay. But are really not Christians in their heart. And then they wind up doing things that are not in line with God's word that you can see that for yourself. Okay, that, but that should, should, should teach us the word of God is saying here that that should teach us to be to be o on the alert. Okay, so that we are not so easily seduced, and therefore we should be humble, realizing that we cannot live this life or or be guided without God telling us. Holy Spirit will tell us how to live our Christian life if we simply follow Him. True Christians are anointed. Okay, we are anointed with grace and with spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit. The great and most hurtful lies uh, that, uh, that the father of lies spreads in the world are usually falsehoods and errors relating to Jesus Christ. Okay. The scripture goes on to say in verse 20, but you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. 
I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is in the truth. No lie is in the truth. Who is a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whoso denies the Son and has and uh, and the same hath not the Father, and has not the uh, has not the Father, uh, but he acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. See, we have an anointing here that we don't have to worry about a man teaching us or following what a man says. The Holy Spirit will guide you. He will guide you through, you know, you you can be around some people or be around a person and they're talking all this quote unquote Christian stuff. Holy Spirit will reveal to you how genuine and how off mark they are or how off target they are and what they're saying. Holy Spirit will, will reveal it to you. And if there's a need for you to answer, Holy Spirit will give you the answer to refute whatever that person is saying that is so ungodly. It's so not in line with the word of God. Okay, so he says, here, you know, you know, but the anointing which you have received of him abides in you and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you all things and is truth and no lie, even as as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Okay. Right? As the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth. This is the truth I always talk about with a capital T. You know, the popular expression nowadays, this is my truth. You know, I heard someone on television that uh, was, was listening to, to some poor individual, you know, sharing, you know, how they felt about their lives and, and how, you know, I used to be this gender, now I'm this gender and everything like that. And then the person who was doing the listening on stage says, oh, thank you for sharing your truth. Okay. There's no such thing as your truth. There's one truth with a capital T, and that's God's truth with a capital T. Simple as that. God's truth. Okay. And, 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 and sex is determined at the chromosomal sonal level, at, at the DNA level. XX or XY. That's it. That is the truth. Because that's the way God designed it. And that's the way God built us. That's the way mankind, even animals, you know, that's, that's how it's based. There's male and female. And, and no male, no animal, no, no human being has the ability to change from one gender to the other. As simple as that. And if anyone, and I'm sorry here, I'm giving you the God, the God's honest truth here. It's based on God's science, God himself. Okay. Okay. If we could change that, that would make us gods. If we could actually literally change our gender. That would make us God. And this is what many people are striving to do, whether they realize it or not. They're trying to put themselves on the same level as God, that I can change my gender. It just is not possible. Okay, that is the truth. There's male and there's female, and there's no crossing over. That is the truth with a capital T. Okay, but then again, this is another one of the lies, one of the things that they're trying to to coerce us us into believing and following along with. Okay, but as it says again, let me read the scripture again, verse number twenty-seven. But the anointing which you have received as a child of God abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in Him. Okay. Alrighty. So again, who are we listening to? Okay. What voices are we following? How are we being coerced to just go along and follow something that is not true? Okay. So we have enough already in us to know what to do. So why do we stumble? Why do we oftentimes get discouraged? 
It's because we don't know who we are hearing from and to whom we should be listening. I say again, we should always be asking, who's that talking? Who's that talking? Let's go to 1 John 4, verse 1. One John 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Here it is again. Hereby know you the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof you have heard that it should come, even now already it is in the world. See, there it is again. Again, God is warning us that that spirit of Antichrist, those that do not confess and do not believe that Jesus is Lord, okay, they, they are in the world and they're battling for supremacy in our lives. They want to be the ones giving us guidance. They want to be the ones that's, that's, that's making us, helping us to make decisions and everything and how we conduct our lives and the lives of our children for that matter. Because you see what they're trying to do to our children. Okay, okay, you see what they're trying to do to our children. The Lord knows that we as Christians, we as parents, we need to bind together and pray in the Holy Spirit, you know, that every single contract formed against our children in the name of Jesus is called null and void and canceled out and destroyed. Every single, every single agenda, every single program that is being put together, some by laws in some states and other parts of the world even perhaps, some by law is putting into place that certain things can be done with our children, to our children, without even informing our, our, the parent. Okay, God gave us parents the responsibility to raise children, not the school, not the state, not the government, not anyone else. Okay, God gave you, if you're a parent, you have the responsibility to raise that child in accordance, in line with the word of God. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Okay, that's our responsibility. The word of God says to train up a child in the way they should go. Okay, that's our responsibility to raise children, not the government, the school or anyone else. So we need to pray together. We need to be on one accord as a body in the body of Christ as a church to bind up those contracts, those plans, those initiatives that are underfoot right now right now to bring certain things into the schools, into the state, into the hospitals, into the centers where they can, can mutilate and, 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 uh, and try to change the gender of our children. In the name of Jesus, we need to bind all of that up. Okay? Verse number one again, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they have God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Hereby know you the spirit of God, that every spirit that confesses Jesus is Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. This is that spirit of Antichrist, whereas you have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. You are of God, little children. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When you start feeling downtrodden and feeling demoralized and disappointment, disappointed and discouraged, remember that and, and recite that to yourself. Call it out loud. Speak it out loud. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. you know, I, I rebuke you. I rebuke you, spirit of discouragement, right now. I rebuke you, foul lying spirit, because greater is He that is in me than you, foul spirit that's in this world. Greater is He. That's the Holy Spirit of the Living God that's in you. It's greater than anything that's in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world hears them. Okay, okay. They are of the world, and they speak the stuff that the world wants to hear. And that's why, that's why so many of them are all parroting the same thing, the same thing. 
It's amazing how you'll hear one group of people say one thing using using certain certain words, syntax, and then you'll hear another group totally unrelated say the same words, the same syntax, okay, because it's that same spirit. They hear each other and they share it amongst themselves, okay? They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world and the world hears them. We are of God. You listening to this broadcast, you are of God. We are of God. He that knoweth God hears us. He that is not of God hears not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Okay? Okay. Those that are not of God don't hear what you're saying. They don't want to hear it. Even if they try and sit still and quietly listen to what you're saying, they simply cannot comprehend it because what you're saying is spirit driven. Okay, okay. And if they don't have the spirit of God in them, they're simply not going to hear. They're not going to recognize as simple as that. They'll be spiritually blind, like I talked about in one of my previous messages. They'll be spiritually blind. They simply cannot and will not hear. Okay. There are basically three voices out there. There's evil spirit, evil voices, there's spirit of God, and then there's the spirit of self. We go to James three. James three fourteen. Verse number 14, it says, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Okay. So where there's envying and strife that's going on, okay, Wherever envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. You would be around a person where it just seems like there's always strife, there's always some bickering, there's always some confusion that's going on. All right? if, you're ever, if you ever have to be in an environment or with, with some people, you notice that every time you get to them, there's always confusion and there's strife. They're always at each other's throats. And it's not of God. There's no peace there. The Holy Spirit is not present in that atmosphere. Okay, and I know some people like that, and I I refused after being with them on a vacation one time, many 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 years ago, and there was such strife. I mean, couldn't decide. This was simply to an amusement park, simply to an amusement park and the beach and things like that, and there was just so much bickering on what rides to go on and what to eat. I mean, it was not an enjoyable vacation at all. You know, I promised myself and my wife that we would never go on vacation with those people again because after hearing things, well, I mean, we we still know them and everything, but everything that they seem to be involved in is that same kind of thing. Okay. They want you to go along and do only what they want to do. And if you disagree, there's an argument about it. You know, it's not a relaxing, joyful, uh, God blessed uh, environment when you're around them. And I refuse to be around them again because where there's envying and strife is, okay, then that's that's a devilish kind of thing. Okay. You do work. And we see that. There may be people in your office like that. Maybe there's some other people in your family too, you know, that that you know, divorce yourself from them. I mean, you know, love them, pray for them, uh, be over, be around them when you can, and of course be cordial. But I'm just saying as far as getting involved with them in any kind of way, uh, I just shun that. And that's something that you have to pray about and, and deal with on an individual basis. But basically what this is saying here is that where there is confusion and strife, that is absent of God. Okay? Okay? Uh, uh, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And every evil work. Okay? 
All right, so we have to see that. Satan is the author of confusion. Evil speaks against all that God holds dear to himself. The sanctity of marriage, you know, faith in him, the Ten Commandments, and on and on and on. You know, I mean, they, they, they don't go along with that. Simple as that. You know, everything that, the, that they say when they, the evil spirit is speaking to you, it winds up negating uh, God's word. It says what God told you is not true. I mean, we know in the Garden of Eden, uh, Genesis uh, 3, 4 there, in the garden, the snake, serpent, told Eve, God didn't really tell you that. He just didn't want you to be like him. You can you can eat that fruit. I mean, so so the devil you know negates or disputes God's word. When you hear that kind of a voice coming in, coming at you, when you hear that kind of conversation coming at you, someone is trying to give you some advice, quote unquote, and it's something that is negating the word of God. Then you know that is not of God. It's it's the spirit, the evil spirit, darkness, a demon. Maybe Satan himself is talking to you, so you don't want to follow that voice. Okay, that is a voice you definitely do not want to follow. Okay. The other voice that we've got to be careful about following is self. Okay. When self speaks, we can be led astray because that we want something so badly. Self makes a very poor master. Okay. Listening to yourself. Self is a very poor master. By nature, we as human beings, we crave comfort. We want security. We want to be in non-stressful circumstances and situations. And we want to be happy. We do all that we can to avoid pain and suffering. As a human being, this is just par for the course. When our self, however, starts talking, it often sounds very reasonable and very right to us, yet it can be dead wrong. When your self is speaking to you, it sounds very reasonable. It makes a whole lot of sense. But what you're thinking, indeed, could be very, very wrong. James tells us where it will eventually lead if we listen to and simply obey our flesh. Let's go to James 1.14. James 1, 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Okay? Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. So you see, so you see there that, that we, ourselves, we can draw ourselves away. Okay? The things that we hear from unbelievers often communicates with ourself what ourself wants to hear. Okay, many times when unbelievers talking to you, someone at work in school, when the neighbor, next door neighbor said, and, and there's something deep inside that you're thinking about, and that unbeliever says to you, you know, the same thing that you're thinking about, then, then he is confirming, if you will, what you're thinking, and you start thinking that's the right thing to do. But it could be so far from right at all. It could be so far, far from what God wants you to do. It's very easy to find agreement with the things out of our self-absorbed flesh Okay, the, the flesh wants to hear. It's very easy to find agreement there, even when we're not feeling discontent or unhappy. All right. The world is bent on enticing us with things that will lead us away from the path of godliness. Okay. You may hear things from unbelievers, you know, that sound so good to you, and it's kind of in agreement with the way you were leaning. Now, I, I was kind of thinking that way, all right, but it's not where God would want you to do to go. Okay, so again, this is self again. This is self. And self is speaking here, absent God, don't forget now. All right, this is what you're thinking. The Apostle Paul says that we must deal ruthlessly with these self-focused desires. We have an enemy out there who knows where we're vulnerable. And all of us have vulnerable spots. We have hot buttons, if you will. Satan knows exactly when our defenses are down and when we're most prone to believe lies. One of the times where our defenses are down is when we're tired. That's why we need to get a good night's sleep, if and when at all possible. Get a good night's sleep because Satan knows when your defenses are down. 
If our desire, if our desire is the approval of others, he uses that to his advantage. Don't put yourself in a position where you're looking for so badly to get the approval of others, because he'll use that to his advantage. He'll tell that person you're seeking approval from to do something totally counter to the word of God. And because you want their approval, you'll go along with it from listening to self. When we are feeling down, he knows just where to aim his dart. If we struggle with guilt over past choices, he's the first one to accuse us of being imposters in God's family. The devil will make you focus on, make you start thinking about something that you did in the past, you know, that you repented about, that you gave up and everything, you know. And then he'll start saying, you see, remember what you did in 1952? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yesterday you're calling yourself a child of God, you know. You know, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I, I, would, I would wonder about that, John. You know, don't forget, that's what you did. Mary, that's what you did. Now, yes, so you want to call yourself a child of God. All right. So, so he'll use that to get on you to, uh, um, you know, to make you think that you're less than who, who God says that you are. All right. All right. Okay. If we struggle with guilt, we can't let guilt just stay there in our lives. Rebuke that spirit of guilt. All right. His favorite tactic, the devil's favorite tactic is to take advantage of those who feel confident in their own abilities and strengths and don't look to God for help. Okay, this is where we start getting puffed up in pride, thinking that I can do this, I can make this decision without God. I don't need it. I'm a know-it-all. Okay, I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to fail. Not at all. Okay, I know, I know the ins and outs of, of Christianity. I know God so much and so well that I don't have to consult him on this. Okay, I'll just go on and just make this decision on my own. This is what self starts saying to you, and you start believing it because the devil there is helping you to make that decision. Okay? This means that we must watch and prepare for his attacks by knowing and standing firm on God's truth. We go to 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom is as steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren uh, uh, that are in the world. Need to be sober, be vigilant, be on, be on guard, be on, on the lookout for him trying to do this because the devil walks around as a roaring lion, as a roaring lion. Okay, And it says as because the devil simply, he has no power. You're a born again believer and Jesus took all that power away, but he walks away roaring because why does a lion roar? A lion roars to intimidate to let you know, I'm here, I'm here, get away from my turf, this is my turf. So he seeks, the devil's trying to seek who he can, who he can intimidate. He walks around seeking whom he may devour. But he's toothless, he's fangless. Okay, Jesus did all of that. Okay, all right. So again, we need to make sure that our self is governed by knowing that uh, um, the devil's out there to trick me. So I'm not going to just listen to what I'm saying to me, so to speak. I'm not going to listen to what I'm saying to me because I know the devil could be behind and trying to guide my thoughts and trying to guide my actions. Trying to guide my thoughts and guide my actions. We simply cannot let ourselves go there. Simple as that. Amen? Amen? And then we see that um, the the good news of the gospel is that Jesus delivered a death blow to the enemy. The enemy still tries to create havoc in our lives by sowing lives that can defeat and cause us to stumble. However, he no longer has any authority over us. We who have been saved can confidently say the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are his everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemies from before you, destroying them. That's Deuteronomy 33, 27. We have unlimited, we have limited vision. I should say we have limited vision and understanding. We cannot see as far ahead as God does. 
This makes us prone. This makes us very prone to actions based on limited sight and understanding and allowing our emotions or uh, to carry more weight than God's words. You can't let that emotions drive your actions and your decisions. Right. When we think we don't see any evidence of God's loving kindness in our circumstances, we will be tempted to look for the closest exit door. Okay, you don't see things, you don't see evidence that God is there and that he cares for you. You start looking for the closest exit door. And that exit door could mean, it could mean quitting your job. It could mean leaving a relationship, you know, going, going to a, going to a church that, that, that tells you what you want to hear or just rejecting God's truth altogether. Okay. All right. So things don't start going your way and you feel like God is not there. And where's the exit ramp? Okay. I'll quit this job. You don't see any evidence of God trying to help you through your job or giving you that promotion or, or doing, doing what you think God should be doing in that job. And you so you you, you, you want to quit. Take the exit. Your, 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 your marriage not working and you don't see God there. You just take the exit. You, you, you go on and you get the divorce. A relationship between your son or your daughter or something or another relative. You don't see evidence of God in that relationship. So you just exit. You stop talking to the person. You stop calling that relative or, and just going off, disappearing, so to speak. Okay. So we tend to want to run. We can't do that. Okay. Last couple of scriptures here. And let's go to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations, that's thoughts, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Okay. So God here is saying that the warfare that we have, that you know, we're wrestling with here is not the kind of warfare that we would normally use to, to, to get out of a situation. Okay. And as far as self is concerned, when we have those thoughts that are coming in, you need to pull down those thoughts. Pull them down. Don't don't let your, your let yourself govern you, because many times what yourself is wanting you to do is absent God. Okay. What's more natural than for us to run to a friend that we know will agree with us? Okay. Okay. Or escaping into a video game. Okay. Rather than simply dealing with the thought or the problem that's going through our minds. Okay, we're so quick to say, oh, let me call up John because you know in your heart of hearts that what you say he's going to agree with. And then he will confirm what you think you should do because he always agrees with you, you know, or you agree with him. Any ungodly thought that is exposed must be replaced by the truth of who God is, what he has done, and all that he's promised for those who walk in accordance with his word. Okay. God speaking, when God speaks to us, this is the, the, the voice that we should be listening to. When God speaks to us, there's an inward knowing and there is a sense of peace. What you hear is in agreement with God's word because God will never violate his word just for someone's convenience. Okay, This is what you know. When God is telling you something, it'll be in line with his word and you'll feel at peace. This is what I should be doing. Okay, This is what you should be doing. And if you go to John, last scripture, John 10, 24. John 10, 24. Then came Jews, came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them and told you, You believed not. I, I told you, and you believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not. 
because you are not my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. So we know the voice of Jesus calling us. We know when God is speaking, and you recognize it. If you're a child of God, you're a born-again believer, you will just, it will resonate in your spirit. You got a question about what to do or what not to do. You got a question about who to see or who not to see or where to go or, or, or where not to go. You'll feel the peace in your spirit when God is talking to you and telling you to do something. Okay? And if he just calls out to you, remember what, what, what little Samuel did as a boy there. You know, I'm here. Thy servant hears you. What would you have to say to me? Yes, Lord. I'm here. What would you have to say to me? Okay. Voices today are very, very important the way the world is going today. The things that are happening right before our eyes is, is prophecy. Scripture is unfolding right before our very eyes. Time is growing short. And the devil knows that. That's why he's stepping up his actions. He's stepping up these, these attacks. At the center of these attacks, if you notice, are the children, because he knows that the children are indeed our future. Okay. The children are our future. So we see where these things, where these agendas are going. Don't listen to the wrong voice. There are many voices out there. Do not listen to the wrong voice. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing. Amen. And, and before we go, remember to pass on this, the links to where we can be found. It's www.genesis1.sermon.net. Uh, Genesis1.sermon.net. Uh, look at the top of the page. There's a subscribe button. Click on the subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically when these messages are available. Uh, we're on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries. We have apps for uh, Android and Apple devices at their respective uh, Play Stores. The apps are free of charge to download. Just download them freely. Uh, you can also uh, record uh, these uh, the, the video or the audio only portion. You can record those also and save them and download them. Amen, amen. And uh, just pass the word. We want to uh, um, get the word around the world as much as possible. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time we've had with you, Lord God, and we pray that as we go from here, Lord God, that we remember these words that we've heard today, Lord God, and that we be, be on the alert so that we are not seduced by the many voices that are out there today. Heavenly Father, God, always give us the strength and the boldness, O oh Lord God, to say what Holy Spirit tells us to say and when, O oh Lord. In the name of Jesus, give us the boldness and the strength to resist, to resist what those other voices are saying out there in this world today. Let us be together as one in one accord, O oh Lord God, the body of Christ. Let us all come together to resist and to pray and bind up the agendas of the evil one that he is trying to, to roll out across the land, O oh Lord God. We praise you, Heavenly Father. We magnify thy name. We glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Go forth and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is Lord. Yeah.